Hello, and welcome to another episode of Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast. I'm Gib Gerard, alongside none other than John Tesh. I'm vibrating. You I'm should fr- be. I'm just, I'm running in place. I'm vibrating. Listen, just shut off everything and listen to this podcast because, wow, this is my favorite guy. This is the guy. So look, I can retire now. This is the, the whole reason I, we started doing this podcast was to have a conversation yep, with this guy. That's this it. is that's it. Dr. Dom D'Agostino, Dominic D'Agostino, the, the researcher for the ketogenic diet. I mean, this guy, I listened to his three-hour podcast. He has like two three, different three-hour podcasts with Tim Ferriss where he just goes off on the science of the ketogenic diet. Uh, and I had a couple of questions that, I, that, that were left unanswered from the Tim Ferriss podcast that I really wanted to a- ask him, and I got to have that conversation with him. Plus, plus he has Navy SEALs yes. in his contacts list. Right. So he started his research, his, his, was trying to figure out how to keep Navy SEALs from having seizures when they're scuba diving for too long, and their oxygen, they get what's called oxygen toxicity. toxicity. This is the guy. He also does research on the ketogenic diet for NASA. The guy is the man when it comes to this kind of research. He is, um, he's a PhD, he's a professor, and he is, he's just, he's the guy. He gets very into the science of the ketogenic diet. So if you've ever had questions about what keto is, <laughs> <You're vibrating> about, <laughs> about what, it, I mean, it, about what, what it really means for your body, what the potential benefits are, what are the best ways to approach it, you need to hear this because, th- I mean, this is the opportunity of a lifetime for me. I was, I, I, I cannot believe he actually. I, you know, I, I have to say it probably was for him too because, you know, he doesn't do all that many interviews. I mean, he did for a while, but then, you know, he's a researcher and, and he's a PhD. He's got stuff to do. So it's, you know, you got to stop for an hour and, and talk to somebody. I, I mean, this is, and, you know, the other thing is cool, but the thing I, I really found interesting about him, I can't wait for this interview. It's coming up. Is uh, <laughs> we it, promise. It, well, you know, because so many people are afraid when they look at the ketogenic diet, men and women, they're like, wait a second. If I'm only eating this and I'm only eating this much, and I'm going to mm-hmm. intermittent fat. I'm going right. to lose all my muscle mass. And then you look at this guy. Oh, yeah. And he's a monster. Look, he's the, I, I told him, so two big things. One is I called him the Dr. Jekyll of the ketogenic diet oh. because he self experiments the way that Dr. Jekyll does in the book. That's right. So he is, he is all about that. And the other thing is, there was one part where we're talking about, uh, talking about the different kinds of exogenous ketones, the two different ketogenic chemicals, the beta-hydroxybutyrate and acetoacetate. And we were going back and forth. And I goes, wow, you really know your stuff. And I said, uh, that was like, that's it. I can, I'm, that's it. I win. <laughs> Dr. D'Agostino says, I really know my stuff. I'm, yeah. Uh, that's, like the, that's like the day when uh, we were at the, for me, the day we were at a restaurant and, um, and Joe Walsh walks up to the table and says, hi, from the Eagles, yeah, and says, yeah. hi, John. And I said, how do you know who I am? He says, I've had my eye on you. I was like, okay, I'm done now. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> the uh, cool factor involved yeah, in yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, so yeah. That's, that, that's great. And, uh, oh, the other thing I wanted to tell you is, and I don't know if, you, if you'll be able to, to uh, get through this in an hour, but you need to interview Wim Hof. I know. I've been trying Wim, to get him on the Wim. show. Yeah, he, uh, because the breathing exercises that you taught me before we, Gib and I just finished, uh, and Prima and Connie, we finished taping our, our seventh public television special, and it was at 9,000 feet of altitude in Woodland Park, Colorado. And I was, the day of the show, I was exhausted, and I, and I just didn't think I was going to make it. And, um, and Gib, Gib said, come on, lay down, we're going to do, do this breathing uh, technique. So we won't go through it now, but it saved me. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, look, the... the um Increasing the carbon dioxide in your blood, we, we covered this a little bit. We had Pat McCune on the show uh, from the Buteyko, I'm, I'm butchering the name, Buteyko uh, International Institute in, in, in Ireland. And he took me through a different breathing exercise. But the importance of increasing your carbon dioxide in your, in your blood is, is really underrated in both athletic performance and mental performance. And we definitely experienced that. So go back and look at the Pat McCune episode if you're interested in breathing techniques. But we want to get Wim Hof on the show today. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, we, normally we do a couple of pieces of intelligence, but you know, b- before this, but uh, I don't, I just don't want to, I don't want to waste the time. <laughs> I, I really want to. But look, why don't we, why don't we just talk really quickly about uh, what, what, what the ketogenic diet has done for you, Gib? Oh, so I will say this: uh, this is the tagline that I've used when, uh, when talking about the ketogenic diet in general, and we joke about it on stage about how hard it is. But most people come to the ketogenic diet for weight loss. It's been sort of this panacea for all kinds of the meta- all kinds of metabolic disorders that people have had. 
Um, but the most important thing that people are kind of coming to it for is the weight loss element. So um, we got to it because of because of cancer and chemo and in trying to, to eat. mine not yes yeah. um and but and as a result like we that that's how we kind of backed into it but people come to it for weight loss but they stay for the mental acuity which is which is the real the real kicker for the diet but basically we have a diet you know most western people are eating a diet that is far too high in carbohydrates and far too high in processed food and it messes with us at the with our endocrine system uh in a number of ways that that leads to brain inflammation and and uh, endocrine inflammation in general, which leads to diabetes and then inflammation related diseases like uh, Parkinson's and uh, Alzheimer's. And and this diet really really does a good job of getting rid of that stuff and of, of knocking that stuff out. Do do you guys in the interview? Do you guys go over how it, it originally came about the ketogenic diet? Yeah, okay. and, yeah, okay. and including because you know he again. D'Agostino gets into it because of because of fighting seizures with um, in high oxygen environments, but but the it was originally developed to fight seizures and diabetes for uh, people that when there was no medication that worked, right. and um, and it is it, it was it was incredibly good at that back in the day. And in fact, D'Agostino says if there was a medication that worked as well at fighting some of these seizures as the ketogenic diet, it would be statistically it would be the most prescribed medication for fighting seizures. Yeah. Because it is that effective at at uh, controlling your brain metabolism, so All right. you Let, will be, you will feel better if you try the ketogenic diet. Right. So listen very carefully, and you're going to be and then and then go back and listen again, and you'll be able to evangelize to your to your friends. Here he is, Doctor Dominic D'Agostino, the ketogenic doctor. Doctor Dominic D'Agostino, thank you so much for being a part of this. I know we were talking beforehand. I just such a huge fan, and I cannot believe I'm actually getting to talk to you right now. <laughs> Well, thank you for having me on, Gib. I appreciate it. So we have talked, it's it, honestly, pleasure's all mine. We have talked a lot on the air, on, on, on the podcast about, I mean, not you and I, but, but Intelligence for Life. We've talked a lot about the, the ketogenic diet. And in referencing the ketogenic diet, I often reference you as sort of the like scientist emeritus for the whole diet, for the whole concept. Like you are the modern incarnation of like a guy that lives keto and, and does the research behind it. Uh, and, and so I guess, I guess for starters, what drew, how did you get involved with the ketogenic diet and, and how did you discover it? And what is it for people that don't know? Sure. Yeah. I did not discover the ketogenic diet. It was around way before I don't I was mean, even, I don't mean you, you found know, like, on this planet. <laughs> I don't mean you invented yeah. it. Like, I mean, how did you come across it and it become your thing? Oh yeah. Sh- sure. Yeah. Um, well, I came across it through kind of a circuitous <laughs> sort of route. I was studying um, seizures that were a result of breathing high-pressure oxygen in an underwater environment. And there's really no way to predict or prevent these seizures. Mm-hmm. And in the process of sort of testing out drug protocols and, and looking for a pharmaceutical uh, path, I guess I, w- I would say, or, mit- or mitigation strategy uh, or countermeasure against, against these types of seizures mm-hmm. and their powerful tonic-clonic seizures, I discovered the ketogenic diet because it was used when drugs fail for epilepsy. And I steered my research away from drugs and more towards using nutrition because it had, surprisingly, a, a remarkable track record for managing all sorts of different seizure types, especially very powerful tonic-clonic seizures. And that was about 2007 or eight. I got really interested in, and didn't actually get into the research, like actually researching in the lab. I was trying it on myself before, but mm-hmm. didn't really research in the lab until about 2009. So that's kind of when all this started. And it was funded by the Department of Defense. A branch of that is the Office of Navy Research. And, uh, and they develop and test things for like Navy SEAL warfighters and right. and the Navy in general. And so that's really kind of what our research is focused on, considering that oxygen toxicity is a limitation of Navy SEAL divers that use this specialized equipment. So you literally were trying, I mean, this is the diet that you you, you worked on for Navy SEALs, which is an incredible, it's an incredible okay. thing to say. Well, that the 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 idea, so it's sort of like the proof of concept. Mm-hmm. You, you know, this started ten years ago. This idea that nutritional ketosis, which can be achieved in a variety of different ways, or call it therapeutic ketosis, can be achieved with fasting, mm-hmm. and we call that fasting ketosis. 
the ketogenic diet or now even various forms of ketones that you can drink. We right. call them exogenous ketones. Yeah. And that can be achieved in different ways. So getting your ketone levels elevated uh, is neuroprotective and has a remarkable anti-seizure effect. And we're trying to capitalize on that and sort of put it into uh, a, a very targeted therapy, if you will, uh, or, or performance enhancing compound that would increase the safety and performance of, um, the warfighter. And now that's expanded into probably 12 different projects, not military related from cancer to rare genetic diseases to Alzheimer's disease. And we're studying many different things in the lab now from those original, sort of proof of concept uh, experiments that we did in the lab. And and I'm assuming because you continue to do the research that every step of the way it, it looks increasingly promising. Yeah, yeah, what's, uh, you know, kind of taking a further step back, uh, our brains go into a seizure because there's abnormal activity and because the energy pathways in the brain are not functioning optimally. And that could be due to a variety of different things. Uh, being in a state of nutritional ketosis elevates these ketone bodies mm -hmm. that we can measure in our blood and our urine. And the ketones essentially function as an alternative form of energy for the brain. And when it's burning this form of energy, it can help to stabilize brain energy metabolism, but also the, the neuropharmacology, for lack of a more simple term, the neuropharmacology. <laughs> ecology of the brain is more stabilized, the neurotransmitters, the balance between excitatory neurotransmitters and inhibitory neurotransmitters. Mm -hmm. And it just uh, helps the brain sort of regulate many processes that helps the brain function more efficiently. And now we've gone, you know, outside of the brain. Now we're studying skeletal muscle, we're studying, you know, skin, we're studying a variety of different things uh, in the lab and even, even cancer. Well, uh, I mean, that's how, you know, I, I talked to you a little bit about this before we started recording, but one of the, one of the ways that we got into the ketogenic diet was when John got a cancer diagnosis, uh, they were, they, we talked to this one doctor who was saying, you know, basically the ketogenic diet for this particular kind of prostate cancer will feed your healthy cells, but literally starve your, your cancer cells to death. And that's, that's sort of what started the process. And you hit on something else there too, which, which is, I found that we, we, I started the diet in solidarity, started the diet, um, with, with cancer in mind, but found the mental acuity that came with it to be the reason to stick with it. Um, I mean, I would, I've, I would, I've been amazed by how, what it's done for my brain. Yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely, you know, if you're eating a standard American diet, your glucose is fluctuating up and down throughout the day. And the ketogenic diet really atten attenuates that, if not abolishes those fluctuations yeah. <laughs> in fuel flow to your brain. Right. So that's, uh, it doesn't surprise me that you've picked up on that and, and you're experiencing that. And I think it's, it's really important to the formulate the diet well with the right types of food mm -hmm. and not just, you know, throw in any kind of fat or any kind of protein source or, or something. It, it really needs to be from a clinical standpoint, you know, patients who, who want to implement this should really work with a registered dietitian. And, uh, and there are many more, uh, we just had a big conference, the metabolic health summit out in, uh, LA where there were 800 people in attendance and many of them were doctors, registered dietitians, and it's just people that are practicing this. And it's, it's amazing to see the community growing, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, and attend this event. And I mean, we didn't even really advertise it that much. And it was like, it, we had to turn people away at the end. We're sorry, we're, we're, we're booked. And there was so much interest in this topic, uh, which has been really remarkable to see, you know, as a researcher uh, in this field. Yeah, well, so I follow, I mean, I follow you, I follow a bunch of other keto researchers, experts, people that make products, um, people we've had on this on this show before, Frank Yosa, who makes Ketonade, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> Anthony Gustin, who does Perfect Keto, and yep. a whole bunch of other uh, people that are, you know, advocates of the ketogenic diet. And I saw, like, from nine different sources, that, that same, that metabolic health uh, conference that you just talked about, and I was, I was bummed that... Um, First of all, I, didn't, I was bummed I didn't get invited, but uh, most of all, I was bummed I <laughs> we'll have to do it. that next year. Yeah. But why do you think, like, why, why all of a sudden? I mean, this, you know, you, you mentioned before that this is a very old diet. It's been around for, uh, I think, 
over a hundred years at this point. Why why is it becoming suddenly so unbelievably popular? Yeah, if you look at the Google trends, the Google Analytics, which was brought to my attention a few years ago, uh, maybe one of my students brought it up, and you know it started to tick up, you know, in two thousand maybe thirteen and fourteen, uh -huh. and then it just started going. You know, my student said, well, look at it now. You know, the, a number of podcasts came out and I think that got more more publicity for it. Uh, but what I what an important uh, factor to bring up is that the increase, the ticks going up in PubMed, searchable peer reviewed PubMed research on the mm -hmm. ketogenic diet tends to start going up before that. So uh, mm -hmm. the, the validity between. But, you know, for any diet or any, you know, whether it be clinical or even everyday lifestyle sort of thing uh, is really going to be contingent upon the science that's backing it. Right. You know, it, 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 it becomes kind of difficult to criticize the ketogenic diet for many different applications because the hard data supporting it is so compelling mm -hmm. and that data is mounting super fast. Like I just got off a series of conference calls with, you know, several investigators from Ivy league institutions that are setting up big multi-center, you know, basic science research and also clinical type research on mm -hmm. this. So, uh, it's really exploding outside of its original application, which was controlling seizures. Mm -hmm. Now, remember back in 1920s, uh, there was no anti-seizure drugs really. Right. So that, that actually was the standard of care. And now, unfortunately, they use it when uh, only after drugs. And it really, considering the efficacy of it, if they had a drug that worked as effective as the ketogenic diet, it would be the first line of fence, uh, or the first, the first uh, thing that would be used. But because it's difficult to implement or perceived as something that's difficult to implement, most neurologists don't have a registered dietitian at their side that right. can really assist the patients. It becomes the thing that they fall back on when everything else fails. And it's still it's more accepted nowadays, but it's still that sort of used for drug resistant or drug refractory epilepsy. Uh, but it has so many different applications outside of epilepsy. And that's really what our lab. I mean, I, I would say most half of my funding does does come from studying the anti-seizure effects, but uh -huh. we have many other projects outside that. Uh, and, and so why, why, what would be the, the downside to somebody who has, uh, who has epilepsy even as they start a drug regimen to starting the ketogenic diet right away? What would be the downsides? Well, you know, a, a why not get ahead of the doctors is my point. Yeah. So that's, uh, I talk about that a lot, right? <laughs> I talk about like, uh, this, this approach is grossly underutilized, mm -hmm. uh, as an approach, especially for kids where, you know, usually the parent can control the, the kids and, and the kids are, tend to be more responsive than adults. Really? If you adult onset epilepsy, the, uh, the response is pr it's pretty remarkable, pr better than the drugs, but, uh, but with adults, they use a modified ketogenic diet. It's typically a little bit higher in protein. But for for kids, I mean, it, it really should be the standard of care, especially because many anti-epileptic drugs can cause developmental delays right. later in life. And that that could, I mean, these are some of these are non not reversible, whereas the ketogenic diet can prevent that altogether. And and one of the big things that I see. I mean, it's even been published on is that the kids do better in school. Academically, they improve dramatically uh, when you get uh, a child who has not only just epilepsy, but with many like ADHD uh -huh. or, or just in general, just right. a, a child who's just losing weight. Like I get emails every day from parents that said, you know, my, my kid you know, was, was really on a, a poor diet and we eliminated sugary drinks and, and his behavior improved. And now like they'll send me pictures of their report cards and, yeah. and this is the power of nutrition. So, so now, you know, it's gone beyond and, and that might not even be the ketogenic diet. That's just eliminating sugar and processed yes. carbohydrates yeah. and just getting, and that's an important really distinction to make that the ketogenic diet used clinically is a rather radical diet. I right. mean, its original form was like 90% fat. Mm -hmm. uh, the teams, even Johns Hopkins are, are loosening up that protocol a little bit. And sometimes the modified ketogenic diet, which is more liberal in protein mm -hmm. and a little more flexible is, is showing similar type of seizure control. So what we're very passionate about, especially nowadays is making the diet accessible and making it 
easy to implement uh, for for patients mm-hmm. and just for the everyday person who wants to improve their health, their metabolic health profile. So I mean, you just hit on so many things. Like for, first and foremost, I would say I noticed my kids are not keto, but when they when they have a lot of sugar, you're talking about a totally different behavior paradigm that my children go through versus uh, versus ninety percent of the time when they when they when they're not af- leaving a birthday party. So I definitely have yeah. seen what processed food in particular processed, uh, processed refined sugar in the diet does. Um, what, what sort of things are you, you, you mentioned that you're, you're trying to make it easier to get into And it is at first, especially it seems rather restrictive because of the incredibly low carbohydrate, uh, intake that that's associated with it. And I, and I have to say that even one of the reasons why I want I'm just going to go out on a limb here. One of the reasons why I think people lose so much weight so quickly when they first start it is because it's almost impossible to eat processed food and keep your total carb count down just because there's so much processed food out there. So what are you guys doing to make it easier? Uh, I mean, you guys, I mean, you leading edge researchers like you to uh, to make it easier to start the ketogenic diet. Yeah, uh, well, there's a lot of things that we're doing. I, I do think that a modified ketogenic diet, instead of 90% fat, you could you know, not be as extreme with fat and even, uh, decrease that to 65 or 70% fat. Mm -hmm. And that just, that alone makes it a totally different diet really, because you can fill in the extra nutrition, uh, with protein. And once Mm -hmm. you get the protein from like 10% up to 20 or 25%, then you could actually have a meal that looks pretty palatable. Right. And the vegetables, uh, would essentially be your carbohydrates. So non-glycemic uh, vegetables. So that would include salads, sauteed vegetables, any kind of green vegetables and things like that. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of fruit, which I have every day too. And easily say blueberries, man. Ketosis. You talk about blueberries yeah. like, like you own stock <laughs> in a blueberry farm. Yeah, well, we do have a farm actually. <laughs> and we're looking to sort of be food independent. And one of the crops we're looking to grow, you know, is, is our own blueberries. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think blueberries are fantastic. They're high in fiber, raspberries, blackberries too, uh, avocados, uh, you know, strawberries. So I live at, right around the corner from my house is the Strawberry Festival. Like Google oh, it. Wow. It's like a huge event. It's been going on for like 80 years or so. You, I got you beat. When I was in college, I lived in Carpinteria and Carpinteria, you should come. We should go. Has, oh, the, really? has the avocado festival because m- most of the avocados oh, wow. in California are grown in that area. And mm-hmm. I mean, a, an avocado at the grocery store for like a month after is like 39, 49 cents. So it's, wow. it's oh, it's unbelievable. You, you get avocado ice cream. There's, it's like a small town uh, just south of Santa Barbara and it really feels like a farming town. But anyway, I'm just saying, <laughs> you've got your strawberry fest. I've got my avocado fest, but keep going. Yeah, you know what? Well, that that's the other thing we plan to grow on our property: avocados. We have we already have some trees, but we want to kind of make it like more like a farm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. So uh, the, I derailed the you with that. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, no, no. I'm just thinking like where I want to go from there. So uh, I think the point is that you know each person can personalize their own ketogenic diets mm-hmm. and but depending on the foods that you like and the foods that you don't like which you wouldn't include you can uh, you can work with a knowledgeable nutritionist uh, or uh, an app you know i mean or just look online and see there's mm-hmm. so many different recipe books now so th- none of this stuff existed 10 years ago when i started right. studying this so now it becomes much more accessible, uh, for people to follow this. And, you know, maybe they don't want to follow it all the time, but maybe they just want to follow it, you know, Monday through Friday, take the weekends off or just, uh, a couple days a week. I mean, just eating ketogenic once a week, really? uh, can actually cause, can actually, it's almost like if you do intermittent fasting one day per week can cause, you know, noticeable changes, significant changes in biomarkers really? like hemoglobin A1C or inflammation. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be as extreme. You know, you wouldn't want to do that for epilepsy, but for general metabolic health, if you fast like one day out of the week, I mean, and if you do the ketogenic diet once or twice a week, just doing that can, can actually start to move the needle on your health biomarkers. And then the more you do it, the easier it gets. And then the more benefits you derive from it, and then, then the more you'll want to do it. You know what I mean? A lot mm-hmm. of people are a little hesitant. Then they yeah. try it and they see how good they feel. And then it becomes something that they actually become, 
you know, uh, excited and motivated to uh, implement. I was going to ask you about that because I, I've always read that, uh, I mean, this idea of doing the of doing it intermittently, no pun intended or, or no correlation intended, but doing the ketogenic intermittently uh, because I, when I, the first year that I did it, I was sold out hardcore, never cheated, maybe once in the year I cheated. And then in the last year, my like more or less my second year doing it, I have I have cheated more often. You know, it, I I don't want to let the diet or the lifestyle get in the way of certain uh, certain things. Like I'm gonna have cake at my kid's birthday party because it's their birthday party. You know what I mean? And I, yeah. I don't I don't want the diet to or if I'm at like the world's if I'm in Italy and I'm and there's pasta, I'm not gonna not have some of the world's greatest pasta because I'm ketogenic. But I always wonder, am I making myself sick? By having the high fat and putting MCT oil in my coffee, but then also, and then occasionally having those carbohydrates, and and I, I hear you saying that I I might be okay. Yeah, I, I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't concern with that, especially if you're just doing it as a lifestyle thing. And I will, uh, you know, I was at the Strawberry Fest uh, festival maybe ten days ago, the day that it opened, and I had strawberry shortcake without mm. the cake part. You know, I had strawberries and. And, uh, and cream, cream on top of yeah. that. Yeah. So that, but I cap it, you know, so if you do go off the diet, uh, and you're serious about nutrition and how you feel, I, I think it's, it could be really damaging to just go crazy and have like a cheat day where like you could really do a lot of damage. Like the rock yeah. does. Cause the rock has well, some epic cheat days. He's metabolically elite. And I think people who have a you know, a massive amount of muscle or metabolic tissue are that they're really protecting themselves from damage because okay. his body basically sucks it up and stores it as glycogen. But mm. for the average everyday person who's not like an animal athlete <laughs> doing that, it, it also becomes, uh, I know he's controlled in other ways too. I've studied the rock, you know, <laughs> too. I've sort of been a fan of him ever since I followed wrestling when I was a little kid. Yeah. Um, I look, I'm with you. I'm all in on the rock, man. I, yeah. I I'm with you hundred percent. I, He's I would say I quote guy. unquote study him because I am so inspired by his social media presence. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's, he's really an amazing guy and, and amazing. And I think it's important to acknowledge that, you know, he's also metabolically elite too, and can yeah. get away with a lot as can a lot of, you know, bigger people who are athletes. But, uh, if you do cheat, yeah, just like cap it. So like, uh, I think I capped it to like 150 grams of carbohydrates the day, you know, uh, my parents were visiting. So we went to the strawberry festival. It was kind mm -hmm. of a neat thing to do together. And, uh, and if you are traveling abroad and you want to indulge in the food and which we do, my wife and I travel a lot. Uh, what I typically do is just do intermittent fasting on those days. So uh -huh. I won't eat, I might have, you know, some, some coffee with some, uh, maybe MCT in it in the morning or something. And just, uh, we're typically active during the day and then I'll enjoy a nice dinner and kind of not have to think about, you know, uh, uh, restricting, you know, my food uh, and not experiencing the culture. So we're pretty big into experiencing the, right. the different foods from different cultures. So uh, I tend to do that when I travel. But you can get a lot of benefits just by intermittent fasting, right? Yeah. Or do time restricted eating, if you want to call it that. Um, I do that. I do that most days. I'm, I, I yeah, try to eat yeah. in like a, uh, a six four to six hour window almost every day. Yeah. And if you do, you know, ketogenic intermittent fasting where you're eating low carb or ketogenic right. during that eating window, then I think you can get some, some additional benefits. And from a, I remember when, you know, I first, uh, sort of talking about this to the Alzheimer's clinic here at university of South Florida, sort of the idea that I had was, a more mild intermittent, you know, fasting protocol mm -hmm. that would employ the ketogenic diet and ketone supplementation. And I remember they thought that was like crazy radical, like, no, you know, we could never do that. And I was talking about doing that in animals, not even in humans yet. And it was like thought of something that was so extreme. Really? Uh, but a lot of people just do that <laughs> yeah. just as a lifestyle and they're not even trying to manage like a devastating disease. So I think uh, I really think that people who have uh, a neurological disease or Alzheimer's, I think they could really benefit neurologically from combining these things together yeah. and doing you know, intermittent fasting, the, a well-formulated ketogenic diet with ketone supplementation, because yeah. we do know these really impact biomarkers like, 
that we can measure, like uh, HSC reactive protein, a marker of inflammation in our body, mm -hmm. our blood glucose, like right. those two things there, if we lo lower those two things, we're going to have profound effects on our general health and our cognition and our yeah. brain health. And we know we have hard data to show that what I just described is probably optimal for doing that. Yeah, I and mean, what's in, what's incredible is how much inflammation the, the ketogenic diet gets rid of. Uh, in, even in joint pain, I, f I found a reduction in problem joints, um, but since I've gone yeah. keto. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, uh, a big a big area of research right now is looking into that. We're looking at suppressing inflammation to also suppress muscle wasting associated with cancer, mm -hmm. uh, cachexia. It's also called, you know, muscle wasting occurs in cancer. And a lot of that's driven by the actual inflammation that the cancer causes. Oh, wow. So if you knock down some of the inflammatory drivers, then uh, you can mitigate uh, much of the inflammation uh, which contributes to the muscle wasting. So and, that's a big, that's a project of one of my PhD students right now. And I, I mean, I'm not obviously I'm not at your level, but my understanding is that a lot of, a lot of, uh, degenerative brain disorders and, um, a lot of even parts of type two diabetes come from, from inflammation of certain tissue. So the, the basal ganglia cells for Alzheimer's, the, and, and, um, and Parkinson's, and then also the, uh, uh, the pancreas for, for, um, for, diabetes and and that and that the and the ketogenic diet really helps alleviate all of that inflammation and plaque yeah i mean dale bredesen talks about that in his book you know the end of alzheimer's uh which is a great book that i would recommend and i think you know someone coined the term in inflammaging yeah <laughs> you know yeah. inflammation uh is basically a major the, the major driver for aging we kind of predicted this like 10 years ago but it wasn't until some of the larger high impact peer reviewed publications came out really showing that inflammation turns on these genetic uh, gene pathways that are intimately linked to speeding the aging process. Right. So if you suppress a especially systemic inflammation, that yeah. chronic inflammation, yeah. that will be a potent longevity <laughs> sort of fountain of use, keeping that chronic inflammation low. Inflammation can be good, acute inflammation. If you get a cut, if you get a wound, the inflammation at that cut recruits mm. various factors that cause the healing process, the vasodilation. You know, when you lift weights, uh, you are damaging the muscle, and then that delayed onset muscle soreness is a type of inflammation that's enhancing skeletal muscle protein synthesis. So mm -hmm. you are rebuilding faster because of that. But chronic inflammation, uh, which can be measured, there's different things that you can measure that, like IL-1 beta, TNF-alpha, things that we measure in the lab, or uh, something called C-reactive protein, CRP, mm -hmm. and high-sensitivity C-reactive protein is, is a very sensitive indicator of this chronic inflammation. That's why we, we kind of focus on these things that are a little bit more easier to measure. And the intermittent fasting and the ketogenic diet really knock these down. And if you don't do anything and even take exogenous ketones, mm -hmm. that will knock it down too. So right. that's, that's a pretty remarkable... Uh, thing. Uh, our colleagues at Yale University ran a study with a ketone ester, and they specifically looked at NLRP3 inflammasome, and it's a big complicated pathway. But the finding was that simply feeding ketones, and this basically determined that it wasn't the diet per se, but the elevation of ketones oh, that result from the diet had a very specific signaling effect. And it was, you know, the ketones work by you know, being an alternative form of energy, but they actually work like a drug or like a hormone and affect a particular wow. uh, inflammatory pathway. And the suppression of that pathway keeps chronic inflammation at bay. And that was a remarkable observation that was published uh, a few years ago in Nature Medicine. And uh, I was part of the formulating the, the ketone for the diet. Uh, and it was it was kind of comforting to see another lab sort of do this work, you know, that independent labs can verify it because we, we had been seeing, you know, this anti-inflammatory right. effect in myself and, and the research that we were doing, but they were the first to sort of, uh, publish it. And, and, uh, and, and now we know that there's a ketone receptor and activation of that ketone receptor also suppresses inflammation. So now there's multiple anti-inflammatory pathways. 
That, that's incredible. And to know that, that like, because I've, <laughs> I have cheated and then had, um, and then taken exogenous ketones. And for those of you that don't know, exogenous ketones just comes from exo. It means, it means ketones that are generated from somewhere else that you are just ingesting. So that can come in the form of uh, beta hydroxybutyrate or ketone salts uh, or ketone esters, which is, which is what Dr. D'Agostino has been talking about. But I've done it to undo the consequences of a cheat day. Um, but I had no idea that I was thereby, it had its own in, anti-inflammatory process. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You are really up to speed on all this stuff. So you're Oh, I have nerded out two years, yeah. man. I've been nerding out on totally. this stuff. I'm like super impressed. That's awesome. <laughs> Thanks. But uh, yeah, so you're, you're doing, basically you're like the lab rats we're studying. Cause we, we, you know, we've ob observed this stuff over the years and now we're kind of moving our rodent model work into the human studies and, uh, you know, but Exogenous ketones are available in different forms, yeah. you know, commercially available. And then there's MCT oil, uh, which is also great if you can tolerate it, uh, which I basically consume on a daily basis. And you can start getting the benefits of these, of uh, elevating your ketone levels. And no doubt there will be cognitive benefits. Surely. And they even have blood glucose lowering benefits. So yeah. even if you are on a yeah. high carbohydrate diet and then incorporate something like MCT, it really attenuates that spike in blood glucose. I didn't know that part. I see. I I, I yeah. always tell people and get them to try. I have I have the lowest cost ketone esters I could find. I are the are the ketone aid ones. Um, I don't have access to the research labs you do, so I I have to buy them. But the um the, and those I always tell people try them, even though they're hard to stomach, uh, because you'll get you'll get a taste of what being in nutritional ketosis for two months feels like. By by taking yeah. it, you get that feeling of what the ketogenic diet feels like without having to go through the sacrifice of the two months. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, and some of the ketone salts on the market, too, are, are very good. But the uh, if you want to go that route, and these taste pretty good, you can combine them with MCT. And a lot oh, of the research right? we're doing now, yeah, is combining the ketone esters with the MCT, and that makes it more palatable, easier to deliver, and mm. you get a better sort of what we call pharmacokinetic profile, which means that the ketones stay elevated for a longer period of time. So we're working out all the different formulas and each of the things that we study will probably have a different ketone formula to it because there's there's two ketones, acetoacetate and beta-hydroxybutyrate, and they have different effects. And oh, really? ele elevating them in different levels uh, can can impact the therapeutic effects it has on particular things, whether it be, you know, motor function or wound healing or anti-seizure effects are really it's 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 important to elevate acetoacetate. So uh, so you want something that can elevate acetoacetate and beta hydroxybutyrate. Mm -hmm. So these are all the we're working out all these details now <laughs> uh, to really engineer the optimal ketogenic formula for yeah. specific applications. That's really cool. So we had Mary Newport on the show, and she actually introduced you and I, and that's that's how we that we got here. But um, yeah, she talked about finding awesome. an MCT coconut oil combination that worked really well for her husband's Alzheimer's. Do you, is there? Do you think there's a beta hydroxybutyrate acetoacetate combination by mixing those that would that would be different? Yeah. Well, Mary actually shared her husband Steve's blood work uh, mm -hmm. with me in the beginning, and she did note that. Coconut oil and MCT oil uh, were raising his acetoacetate levels mm. up. And it has to do with uh, there's an interconversion of acetoacetate, the beta hydroxybutyrate, and vice versa. So, and these are changed, you know, in different people, have different different sort of enzymatic conversion of the two, okay. uh, depending, depending on your liver function and things like that. Uh, so, I, I think what's important is that you want to. From my perspective, you kind of want to mimic what the body does naturally, okay. right? So you want to sort of deliver uh, an exogenous ketone formula that if it's too high in beta-hydroxybutyrate, then it can shift the redox state of uh, the liver and the muscles and things. And not to get, you know, I teach redox biochemistry and it uh -huh. can get a bit complicated. Yeah. And I don't even understand all of it, the <laughs> stuff that I teach really. But, uh, don't but I, I won't tell your students who are paying tuition. <laughs> well, I teach them what they need to know, but this is almost beyond, you know, that. But yeah, that's funny. Though. But uh, but I think it's important just from a physiologist perspective to try to mimic 
some of those ratios. And, mm-hmm. and we know that if you're trying to, to really enhance uh, brain performance under conditions that would cause a seizure, mm-hmm. like high pressure oxygen, if you're yeah. a diver, uh, you want to get the acetoacetate a little bit higher than you would normally. So, so these are things that we sort of look at and then we look at, uh, we do, we take brain tissue out and then look at the brain tissue of rats, of course. And mm-hmm. then, uh, we basically <laughs> analyze, you know, how we're impacting the neurotransmitters, our, how we're right. impacting the energetic pathways. And then we look at a particular ketone formula and compare it to, other types of ketone formulas. And then we pick, you know, what is optimizing the, the brain performance under those conditions. Mm-hmm. And then that becomes the formula to sort of move on to, to human clinical trials and things. So that, that's kind of where we're at now, just wow. testing different formulas to, to move to the next level. Uh, I mean, I, I, I want to go back and get something real fast because, you know, I take, I do MCT oil too. And I know when you talk about being able to stomach it, there, is, there can be a gastric dis- distress effect. Uh, especially when you, if you jump too deep into the coconut oil, MCT oil pool too quickly. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, but I, 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 I consider myself intermittent fasting, even if I have MCT oil in my coffee for the day. Is that, is that still intermittent fasting or am I ruining the effects? Well, by definition, fasting is taking in no calories, uh-huh. but you know, that's like the classical definition, but uh, a modified definition could be <laughs> maintaining specific biomarkers in the fasting state. So okay. that would be glucose, ketones, and insulin. Mm-hmm. So all these things by consuming MCT or even coffee and measuring your blood profile, it still looks like you're in a fasting state. If you were to go to a metabolic physiologist and consume several cups of of uh, you know, coffee or, or take MCT supplements throughout the day and then, uh, take a blood measurement, you would trick the physiologist and he would think that it may actually indicate that your blood work is showing that you're in more of a fasting state than you would be otherwise if you didn't take that because your glucose would be a little bit lower. This is Mm -hmm. what we're showing. And your ketones would be a little bit higher from the MCT and insulin. There's really no effect on insulin. So that's something that we measure too. Uh, if you take a ketone ester, a really big dose of a ketone ester, that can start to elevate your insulin. Uh, Why but you is have that? to take a pretty big dose. Well, so say you're doing the ketogenic diet or you're fasting, right? Uh-huh. When you're fasting, you suppress the hormone insulin and then you start burning huge amounts of body fat. But your body fat, right? Your brain can't use the fat for fuel. It needs to break them into smaller molecules, the ketone, okay. uh, ketone bodies. Right. So we enter Which is, the state I mean, of that ketosis. right there is the basis of the ketogenic diet, right? Is it fat turns uh, into ketones uh, and that's what your body uses. Absolutely. Yep. And so the ketones start being produced very fast. And if they get too high, that could be detrimental to your body. So we eliminate ketones or we control, I should say, ketones by eliminating them through the urine, mm-hmm. some of them. So actually like you are to some extent peeing out calories in the form of ketones, nice. but it's, it's kind of small relative. You might pee out 100, 100 calories per day of ketones and hey. a strong kid, but that's still 100 calories. Yeah. Uh, the other way we regulate ketones is the elevation in blood ketones will cause the pancreas to release a little bit of insulin and that insulin will turn down reduce fat oxidation in the liver and reducing fat oxidation will decrease ketone production but it's like a rheostat right it's not like on or off you just uh and if so if you inject ketones into your body or consume a big dose of um ketone ester mm-hmm. your ketone levels your blood ketone levels will will rise very quickly and your body will be will sense that and say your ketone levels are get getting too high it needs to release insulin to shut down ketone production in the liver even though your liver is not producing it you know what i mean it's kind of right. like a, it's a you are activating a counter regulatory mechanism Interesting. Uh, that's sort of hardwired into our body so you know i think something like a ketone ester is great maybe for military applications that which we study that i mean mm-hmm. we work with nasa we do various we worked you know for, with cancer patients and neurological disorders uh, but I think the everyday person probably wants to get their ketone levels maybe into that one to two millimolar range, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. not too much above that. And I think that could be achieved with 
uh, MCT in some people or an MCT in a combination of ketone salts or just a lower dose of a ketone ester mm-hmm. uh, would be good. And then because when we get ketone levels too high, it starts to have a negative effect. Wow. It's like everything else, right? We start to see this bell-shaped curve. Mm-hmm. And for me personally, it's right about the 1.5 millimolar range to two, or like I would say one to two is where you know I might find it, it's optimal. And some people, it could be as low as one millimolar. Right. And some people, you know, it could be three. But that mild state of ketosis, which I like to call, you know, entering a state of mild ketosis, is probably a, a more healthy thing to do rather than shooting your ketone levels up to, to four or five because that extra energy, your, your body kind of has to deal with that. So it tries to, it creates a mild acidosis because ketones are mildly acidic mm-hmm. and then your body is trying to deal with that mild metabolic acidosis and that could have a negative effect um, on, on your body. So these are some of the things that only over the years did we realize when right. I first got into this research, it was like, okay, well, I got to get ketone levels as high as possible. Right, 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 <laughs> you know? right, right, right. And for some applications that may be ideal, like mm-hmm. if you're maybe a Navy SEAL diving into like a, going into a mission and you're also burning up the ketones for fuel if you're exercising. So for an athlete that's running like a 400 meter, it might be beneficial to get the ketones in the four to five millimolar range because that represents a lot of energy in the blood that you're going to use, you know, at the event. So yeah. these are just some some things. But if I'm sitting behind my desk, which I'm doing now, or standing if I have a stand-up desk, yeah. so I don't want to shoot my ketone levels up to five or six. You know, right. uh, I have done that before many many years. I've probably consumed more exogenous ketones than anyone on the planet, <laughs> and I've I've pretty firmly realized that getting high is not good. There's definitely a bell-shaped curve, yeah. and for me, the top of that bell-shaped curve is about 1.5 millimolar. Yeah, I mean, and I think I think that's accurate. Like, I I think I find well, I'm gonna ask a question here in a second, but I I I have to agree with that. Like, I found that when I'm super super ketogenic, when I get up into the four range, which I have with fasting before I gotten into the fours, I find that it's it it no longer has the, um, it has the hyper focused effect. Like I get it like between one and two, and I, instead yeah. I almost I almost become euphoric to the point of distraction at those higher levels. Yeah, um, yeah. And, but so I guess my, uh, my 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 follow-up question is if if our elevated ketones give us the feeling of being in a, in, a, in an extended fasted state. So like you mentioned, I could trick a um a, a nutritional physiologist into thinking I'd been fasting for longer by adding MCT oil and coffee. Um do I get the same metabolic repression that occurs if I if I become really calorie deprived over an extended period of time? Like that's there's diminishing returns in severe calorie reduction. And would I, would I get that? Would, I, would my metabolism start to drop and all of my calories be converted to fat at that point? No. Are you saying that will the ketones also signal like a starvation response? Yes, Is exactly. that what you're... Exactly. Yeah. And you're a much that's smarter a, way of putting it. Uh, that's, a, uh, that's a pretty good uh, question, right? It's something that we're studying. Uh, with, with cancer... Cachexia, there's not only a breakdown of muscle tissue, but there's also a breakdown of fat tissue. Mm-hmm. And getting ketone levels above, say, two or three millimolar activates an anti-lipolytic effect. So you actually, if you stay in the like in the one millimolar to 1.5, it has really no effect on observable effect on slowing down fat oxidation. Okay. But once you get especially into the two to three to five millimolar range, uh-huh. then you activate an anti-lipolytic, which is a fancy term for anti-fat-burning <laughs> effect. Yeah, and that that there's uh, several reasons for that. One is that you are starting to release a little bit of insulin, and that mm. insulin prevents further fat breakdown. It prevents accelerated fat breakdown. And you also activate... A number of uh, signaling pathways, uh, the GPR109A receptor, for for example. So activation of that receptor will tell the fat cell to stop releasing uh, fatty acids for fuel. So it will have an anti-fat burning effect once the levels get you know above that two millimolar range. And that's kind of another reason I don't. I mean, I instinctively just through a lot of testing and a lot of journaling found that one to 1.5 yeah. is kind of optimal, this yeah. mild state of ketosis. 
and uh, and I'm also staying in an accelerated fat burning state too, uh, even if I'm using exogenous ketones. But once I get into that two, three, four, five millimolar range, I th- I think you're pretty significantly starting to prevent fat fat oxidation. Like there's no doubt that if you shoot your ketone levels up to five millimolar with a ketone right. ester, right. that's having a pretty profound anti uh, fat burning effect, which I so, think is why a lot of people have turned to the ketogenic diet recently because of its fat burning effect. Yeah. Yeah. For the ketogenic diet. Right. Cause if with carbohydrate restriction and just simply sticking to the, the macronutrient profile, of the ketogenic diet, you are continually kind of in that fat burning state by eating more fat, your body's naturally burning more fat and you're constantly driving glue, uh, insulin down mm-hmm. and staying in that fat burning state. Right. Uh, if you take a massive dose of exogenous ketones, you're kind of short circuiting that. Hmm. But I like to think about exogenous ketones as another macronutrient. <laughs> so I consider them the fourth macronutrient. Yeah, right? I've heard so you say that I, before. Yeah, like it, and MCT, the same thing too. It's a very unique type of fat that mm-hmm. rapidly gets converted to ketones. Mm-hmm. But you could take, you know, a, a ketone salt MCT mixture. And incorporate that into food. You can, mm-hmm. uh, and the ketone salts even have a calorie content, so you can, you know, incorporate them into shakes and things like that. And they're just adding another. But if you, there's like a threshold for these things, right? Like, uh, like even with muscle sort of protein synthesis, the the amino acid leucine that's in the protein needs to get to a certain level before it activates muscle protein synthesis. Uh-huh. That's sort of like one of the drivers uh, for, for muscle protein synthesis. The same effect is kind of happening with ketones. So as your ketone levels get to a certain level, the body recognizes it as something, and it's not a starvation effect per se, because it, it's really the body just saying, hey, we don't need to be metabolizing all this fat to make ketones because ketones are already here. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if you take small amounts of ketone salts, and in particular, if you mix the salts with MCT, the MCT goes to the liver and actually further accelerates fat oxidation in the liver. So that's why it's really important that if you take an exogenous ketone to take it with an MCT, because the MCTs go directly to the liver through the hepatic portal circulation. Okay. And you are delivering ketones at the very same time you are stimulating fat oxidation in the liver. So that's a very important concept. And that's something that we discovered and even like sort of have a patent on the combination of ketone salts and MCT here because – uh, I was first te- testing the ketone salts and the ketone esters and found that the unique combination of ketone salts and MCTs had different effects that were independent of anything that we could achieve with either one alone, oh, being the ketone ester or ketone salt, that the combination of ketone salts with MCT together was really what was working for us. And, uh, and, and that was an unexpected observation to the point where it actually became like intellectual property at the university. Oh, and, uh, I won't tell anybody. <laughs> well, yeah, the university has, has done quite well with that, but, uh, but it, it, it has changed and, and sort of influence what I do personally. Yeah. Uh, when For I those of you that don't it, realize this, Dr. D'Agostino does a lot of like Dr. Jekyll level, uh, self-experimentation. <laughs> With the ketogenic diet, yeah, I guess you could say that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I feel, I feel like if you had a formula, you would part. you would take it, and then the next thing you know, there's you know a Mr. Hyde version of you running around all high on ketones. Yeah, well, that's what makes our research so fun, right? Because yeah. I can like, you know, conceive of an experiment and design it and implement it in mouse and rat models, and then I can try it myself, you know, and uh, and and I do these things, you know. It, it's it's comforting that the things that we're developing, the therapies, are mm-hmm. relatively non-toxic, yeah. right? We are yeah. working with some drugs that you know could be toxic, but uh, the benefits of that are that we can sort of tinker with these things ourselves. And the real benefit, I think, is that when we complete the study and get it published in a peer-reviewed journal – someone a patient can read that study and implement it themselves you know considering if if the particular formula or, or you know is commercially available right. and we are working in the back end to to make that possible uh, and, and some things are, are under fda review right now but mm-hmm. uh but i think it's important to do research that the 
the deliverable will be out there for the public to use. So yeah. we, over the years, I've kind of steered my research in, into that, sort of away from the experimental drug to the experimental nutraceutical uh, or experimental diet formulation. Yeah. Uh, I'm, we've kept you for a really long time, and I do want to let you go, but I wanted to ask a couple a uh, couple last questions, um, sure. one of which is the ketogenic diet and sleep. Now, I've noticed that when I am in pretty good ketosis, I'm in that sort of... Um, and I'm hearing from you too, by the way, that I need to be checking my ketones more regularly and not just assuming that if my macros are okay, I'm okay and stay in that, try to stay in that 1.5 range. But when I'm in good ketosis, I need less sleep and I wake up more energized. Um, I, one, I guess part one of that question is why, why is that the case? And part two is, can, that, can I use that to help with things like jet lag? Because I've heard when you go east, you should do a low carb, high protein. And when you come west, you should, you should uh, eat carbs, binge carbs. But I don't like the idea of the binging the carbs, and I wanted to know if, if keto would help with jet lag. And that's well, I firmly believe that keto uh, and fasting can help with jet lag. I think the best thing to do is really once you get to your location. You know, uh, when I flew to Australia, I just you know uh, try to get that morning sun and reset my circadian rhythm. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think being in a fasted state really helped me tremendously. I never experienced any jet lag, mm. even flying on the other side of the planet. Crazy. Uh, but when it comes to sleep, yeah, I, I do. I firmly believe that being in a state of ketosis can help many people with sleep. We know that ketones increase blood flow to the brain and mm -hmm. that can, the, the, you know, People debate what why we need to sleep anyway, but there's no doubt that when we sleep, we're doing two major things. One is we're clearing out the junk that's in our brain through right. uh, through a lymphatic system called the glymphatic system. And so it sounds like debate, a made up thing from like, uh, like lymphatic, more like glymphatic, like some jerk in elementary school came up with it. Yeah, well, Google glymphatic and you'll start to see, you know, some some papers coming out on that. And that's more that's like new stuff. But we do know that with sleep, you are synthesizing neurotransmitters and you're also restoring the brain's energetic molecules, including glycogen. So the astrocytes actually contain glycogen that the neurons use and everything. So when you're in a state of ketosis, you the ketone levels become a molecule that are the, and and the various things that result from ketones in the brain result into neurotransmitters. One yeah. is something called alpha-ketoglutarate. So we make glutamate and GABA from that. So the neurotransmitter levels can be dramatically increased, the production of them, and also the uh, just the energy systems in the brain can be upregulated through a process called uh, anaplerosis. So it's, it's another thing that we study. So you're basically making the, the bioenergetic intermediates that allow the brain cells to to generate energy are being made more efficiently at night. Uh, and these are, the, they're called Krebs cycle intermediates are increased. The production mm. of these things are increased. So when we sleep, you we are really recharging our brains. We're making more neurotransmitters and more energy intermediates and also increasing the, the ketone bodies increase something called adenosine, and adenosine has a vasodilating effect. So you can get about uh, some some studies indicate a 20 to 30 percent increase in brain blood flow if oh, your wow. ketone levels are elevated. Wow. And if that's occurring during sleep, when your body is at rest, your muscles aren't using you know all the blood, and that blood is going to your brain, you can enhance the restorative, regenerating effects in the brain. So that's my theory, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> and some of it's based upon hard evidence, and a lot of it's also based upon the tracking that I do. And right. I'm in correspondence with dozens of people who are also doing these sort of n of one experiments and they show me before and after you know here's my sleep here's my sleep architecture and sleep right. time before and after you know i've been doing low carb or the ketogenic diet and it has improved do, how, do you have a specific journal that you like to use for when you when you chart yourself or do you just get a blank journal and fill it all in uh well i use the aura ring the aura ring it's like uh it's a ring you put on your finger oh, yeah, yeah yeah of course yeah. Yeah. And, and it's very useful tool for sleep. And we actually use it uh, on the NASA extreme environment mission operations. <laughs> uh, NASA has very. You work on some really cool stuff. I feel like at a certain <laughs> point, you're kind of bragging. You're like extreme NASA missions, Navy <laughs> SEALs, 
self-experimentation. Like th- you are, you are a Jules Verne, you know, scientist. I have to plug Aura because they actually gave us the rings for the mission that I was on. And not only did they supply the rings for research, like they were approved by the NASA IRB, like the NASA like committee that reviews mm-hmm. like research and the ring worked in an undersea environment that was at high pressure. That's so incredible. I have, you know, using this device for two years, you know, on the mission, but also outside the mission, just tracking it in everyday life. It has been a game changer because there was things I was doing from a lifestyle perspective that were screwing up my sleep. And mm-hmm. I was able to, you can't identify things if you're not tracking them. So right. once you're tracking them, you can identify things and then modify your behavior to tweak and improve your sleep over time. And I've been able to do that. And it's been, it's paid big dividends, you know, in it from a, just a lifestyle All right. productivity perspective. So, <laughs> so look into the aura ring. Yeah, I, will. I don't sell it. I don't get like profits from it or anything, but it has been a, a very useful research device for us. I will put a link to the aura ring in the show notes. Uh, and I, <laughs> I want to, I, I, gosh, I, there's so many things that over the years I've wanted to ask you and I feel like I'm running out of time and I want to keep asking you, uh, one last, one last basic question. What uh, you do the study in high oxygen environments. What about ketogenic diet in helping you adapt to low oxygen environments like altitude? Yeah, excellent question. Uh, well, we have <laughs> we did sort of a, 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 a pilot study with the Special Operations Mountaineering Division, and mm-hmm. we collected some data. And those guys function like really, really good in that environment anyway. Um, and some of the ongoing research that we're doing is studying that very, that very question, right? Uh, because there's some compelling data to indicate that ketones can help our brains function, uh, and preserve, we call this performance resilience. Mm -hmm. It can aid in performance resilience in, uh, hypobaric hypoxia. Essentially that's, you know, at, at the fancy term for elevation. Right. So, uh, we, we have studies that are ongoing in the lab now, but I think it's something that needs to be further studied. Uh, and experimentally, or anecdotally, I should say, I get a lot of emails from these mountaineering guys and also from the special operations community uh, of them already doing this. So they're, not, they're not waiting for the publications to come out. They already started doing this, and they're reporting um, a better tolerance in that hypoxic environment. Uh, I, I, th- I think that's as good a place to end as any. I have as two questions to everybody I have on the show. Number one is if people want to follow up with you, where can they do it and how? Yeah, uh, well, you can find me. I'm on Twitter and Facebook, but I think the uh, best place is my, our website, keto nutrition, all one word, dot org. So ketonutrition.org. Uh, I have a lot of my podcasts there. There's resources if you're looking for a doctor, a nutrition consultant. Uh, I have books on there. I have products. We, I personally don't sell my own products, but products that I have used and tested mm. in the lab and on myself and products that I prefer, I have links to those products on uh, on ketonutrition.org. Including the MCT oil BHB combination that you like? Uh, yes, that should be on there too. Okay. Yep, the ones that we've tested and the ones that I personally use are on there. Right. So links to Dr. D'Agostino's social network as well, networks as well as uh, as to his website will be in the show notes. One final question, ask it to everybody. What is one habit that people can start doing today that you believe will have a lasting impact on their life? One habit. So uh, I'm going to go completely off what I talked about. Uh-oh. And I would say, I would say meditation. Ooh. Like, you know, just, uh, you know, just... It, creating some creative downtime for mm-hmm, yourself mm-hmm. every day uh, and using an app like uh, Waking Up App by Sam Harris is pretty good. And so there's there's a variety of ways you can do it, but carving out time for just reflection, you know, uh, whether you call it, you know, gratitude, prayer, meditation, whatever, mm-hmm. I think that's important for everybody to take time out of their busy schedules to do that meditative reflection. And, and there's different ways that you can go about doing it. And, you know, and I've tried to do a couple different ways. And, uh, right now I'm experimenting with the waking up app by Sam Harris, just to giving it a try. Links. And, and I'm pretty impressed with it. I like headspace, but I'll put a link to the waking headspace up app. is great too. Yep. And to headspace in the show notes, Dr. D'Agostino, I, I have just, this was a dream come true. Thank you so much for your time. 
Thanks for having me, Give. And I'd pleased to be on. If you ever want to do a part two, just, just holler out to me. Yeah, okay. I'll call you tomorrow. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So a personal question here. Uh, are you, is this a bromance? Oh, 100%. <laughs> uh, if I thought he would take my call, I'd be calling him every day. I, am, I, I'm so, I just want to hear all the new stuff he's doing. I want, to, I want him to send me samples of all the new ketones he's designing. Like, you know, right. he's the man, right. you know? And uh, yes, yeah, so I, I, I want to go sit in on his lectures, but uh, he's a busy guy. I don't think he yeah. respond to my text. Well, I haven't we, tried because I don't want to get my heart broken. <laughs> and, and we also have to mention that, you, you know, listen, before you go on a diet like this, talk to your doctor. Oh, be, yeah. be careful. Uh, you can hurt yourself, you know, if, if you think, because uh, there are a lot of people on, online that are saying, hey, here's the, here's the way to do the ketogenic diet. But if you're consuming a whole bunch of fat because you want to be a fat-burning machine, but then you also uh, come under that with a, with beer, for example, or with uh, with pizza. You can kill yourself, yes, uh, because all that fat's going to stay in your body. Don't just think that adding Crisco to your Cheerios is going to make it. So that Ooh, that's, a, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> it is a terrible idea. <laughs> that's it for our show today. Special thanks to Dr. Dominic D'Agostino for being on the show, and to Mary Newport for helping us set up this interview. You can also listen to uh, our interview with her. So uh, Chris, Crisco and perhaps Cheerios fro- and Frosted Flakes okay. too. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Do not mix. Do not mix Crisco with your cereal. Uh, if you would like to follow up with us, Facebook.com slash John Tesh is where we spend the most time. We post videos there all the time. We go live there all the time. We try to respond to every comment. Also, you can find John on Twitter at John Tesh, on Instagram at John Tesh underscore IFYL. I am Gib Gerard. If you would like to follow up with me, you can go to Facebook.com slash Gib Gerard. You can see all the stuff I'm doing there. Also on Twitter and Instagram at Gib Gerard for both of those. I try to respond to every comment and every shout out so that uh, we can have a real conversation about the kind of stuff that we have on the show. And if you want to recommend this show uh, or any uh, guests on the show, let me know on those platforms. If you like Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast, please rate, comment, and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And most importantly, it means a lot to us if you guys share these podcasts with somebody because that helps us literally double our listenership and we really, we really appreciate that. But most importantly, more, more than anything else, we're just really thankful for you. Thank you guys so much for listening. I got it. Crisco and a Ritz cracker. Oh, gosh. Why?